Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast with co-hosts Jacob and Terry. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on, Dan Sheeks. Dan is a high school teacher. He teaches entrepreneurship, marketing, and personal finance. Um, And he's also the founder of a very cool group called Sheeks Freaks, um, which Terry and I have both recently joined. It's a super awesome group of teenagers who are really interested in early financial independence. They're also very passionate about real estate, investing, all sorts of stuff. But I'm going to let Dan share a little bit more about that. Dan, how's it going? Uh, It's going well, Jacob and Terry. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So Dan, can you start off by just sharing a little bit about your background, your upbringing, kind of what got you into the um, position you are in today? My my journey with with money and and money management and all that stuff, I think is pretty typical for most people in my generation. I'm a Gen Xer. And that was, I didn't learn anything about money in high school. I didn't learn anything about money, at least personal finance topics in college, even in grad school. I, I just like like most people was put out into the real world just and just told to kind of figure it out uh trial by fire kind of thing and so i was pretty financially illiterate even with a business degree um and, and a master's in business personally with my own finances i was pretty illiterate until uh, i would say late in my 30s um and even then i had a lot to learn uh and i think that's really typical for most people in our country they they follow a very similar path. For whatever reason, personal finance education and financial literacy are not emphasized or valued in our public education system, which is obviously unfortunate, but um, that's just the world we live in. So when I did become financially literate late in life, well, later in my in my life, I, I just knew that communicating some of this information, a lot of this information to young people was something that was really important that I was, I was drawn to do. Now I, I do teach uh, business classes in high school. I've been doing that for 18 years um, here in the Denver, Colorado area. Um, so I, I do teach classes, like you mentioned, like personal finance and entrepreneurship um, really enjoy teaching those classes and they are electives, right? They're not required classes. Um, very fun to teach, but I, I wanted at some point, I just decided that I wanted to reach more young people than just those who are seated, seated in my classroom. I wanted to try and reach people outside um, in the online world as well. So that's kind of the background. Yeah. Cool. So did you always sort of have this passion for teaching and did you know that you wanted to be a teacher or was it when you started to learn more about these financial topics that you started to realize that you wanted to be a teacher? Yeah, that's a fun question. No, I did not always want to be a teacher. And I never, I actually, when I was in college, it's kind of funny. When I was in college, I had friends who were education majors. So they were going to be become teachers after college. Um, I was a business major and I just wanted to make a lot of money. That's all I knew. 
And so I would actually make fun of my friends who wanted to be, who were in school to become teachers in a fun way. Right. But I would say, well, why would you ever want to work with teenagers all day or, or younger and make no money whatsoever? That's, you know, what are you doing with your life? That's, that's awful. I'm going to be a business major and I'm going to make lots and lots of money. Uh, so I would, I made fun of them back then. Um, but then I, I think I, I grew up a little bit in my twenties, uh, traveled the world some, matured quite a bit and, and realized that the value in teaching isn't monetary. It's, it's about, you know, giving back and it's a very rewarding and fulfilling profession. And so I discovered that I could teach business and marketing in high school. I wasn't even aware that was a thing. And so lo and behold, in my mid twenties, I decided to go back to school to get my teaching license and uh, became a teacher. I think I started teaching when I was 29. So took my twenties to kind of reevaluate my values and what I really wanted to do with my life and started teaching. Yeah. Later at, at 29. So tell me about like a few of your, your biggest takeaways when it comes to teaching, because I know we, we've had a call before this one where you kind of were telling us about, you know, how this is an elective and not everyone um, chooses to take it. Can you sort of tell us about the types of students who are interested in taking your classes? It's a good question. You know, obviously your website and your podcast is for teenagers who are interested in early financial freedom. Um, and I love working with with teens who are highly motivated and, and actually actively pursue that kind of knowledge, but that's the min- minority of teens for sure. Most teenagers couldn't be less interested in money or financial future or financial planning uh, and personal finance. Uh, it's just not a normal thing for teenagers to be interested in. So in my classes, um, like a personal finance class, for example, it is an elective, the good thing about that is that most of the students in my class want to be there. They, they do have an interest in, in these topics. And so they've elected to take my class. So they are more engaged. The downside is um, that every young person, person needs this information um, to live their best life, but only a very small percentage are actually getting exposed to it. So I do feel strongly that a personal finance class should be required for high school graduation, but our country is slowly coming around to, to share that opinion and, and make changes to, to make sure that happens. You already mentioned previously how you started Cheeks Freaks because you wanted to reach more people um, outside of just your classroom uh, and you're in Colorado, correct? Yes. So what's your vision for, I guess, Chic's Freaks and what's kind of your goals before it? And actually before this, I was reading up a little on kind of how it started. And it surprised me to learn that it was only started in 2019, around the same time as when we started our blog, because it felt like it had been around for much longer than that. I assumed it was, had been around for like five or 10 years already. It's pretty cool that it's already grown and matured so well in just like a year, year and a half that you've had it started. But what, what are some of your goals for Chic's Freaks? Um, in the next couple of years coming? I'll start with the mission, which has been the same since day one. And the mission of, of the Sheik's Freaks community, which, um, which I, again, yeah, it's only a couple of years old, uh, has always been to, to provide free financial information to young people so that they can live their best life. Um, and when I define young people, 
I typically say 15 to 25. That's kind of where I like to focus. Um, everybody needs this education, but that's kind of my, my niche. And so originally it was just a blog site and I posted some articles there and, and still do um, specifically for young people. I tend to take Sheik's Freaks, the community, it, it does involve basic personal finance topics as it should, because those are so important. But then it also goes to the next level and, and brings in a lot of the early financial independence topics, strategies, concepts. And so if a young person is motivated to go above and beyond just knowing how to manage a credit card and what a mortgage looks like, they can go into these other topics and really change their life for the better. So it started as just the blog site, but now it's grown. The website has many more features on it now. We have some social media that, that are doing really well. And then we have the mastermind group, which you guys have recently joined. And I'm excited to have you guys in there. The mastermind group is a place where, and it's free, but motivated young people who want to learn more about these topics can find like-minded people. Because one thing I've found is that, and you guys can maybe back me up on this. If you have a teenager who's super motivated about learning about money, which is probably a lot of your listeners, they usually don't have close friends who are as motivated to learn about those topics and explore those strategies. So they kind of find themselves in their own little world. Um, while this mastermind group is a place where, where they can all connect as you guys have found with like-minded people. And then it's just like watching a wildfire go crazy because they just grow and grow and grow and feed off of each other. So that's where it is now. The next step is I, I want to create my own online community platform for Sheik's Freaks, kind of build it from scratch um, and include many more features than what the mastermind group has now. And we operate in Slack now, which has been fine. It's a, it's a platform that's, you know, met our needs to this point, but as it grows, there's going to be more features that we want to incorporate. So I am in the process, the very beginning stages of creating an online community platform that will be tailor-made for our group. And then of course, later on this year, we have the two books coming out, which we can talk about later, but that is going to, um, I think, help grow the community as well. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. And we can definitely relate to what you were saying there. I think for all of us, one of our, our biggest struggles has been finding those, those like-minded people because in our immediate friend groups in our own lives, there's other people that are as interested in finance, business, real estate, investing, whatever. They're, they're not as interested as we are. And so just, I've only been in this group for like a week, but it's been so awesome to get to chat with people. And um, I'm just starting to meet more and more people in this group. I think there's almost a hundred people in this group. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Actually, we had our, our 99th member joined yesterday. So we're looking for our 100th member right now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. So I guess the next thing I want to ask you about is I know this group is, is focused on early financial independence. And so what would you say are some of the, the most important things that, that teens need to remember or keep in mind when they're trying to pursue um, early financial independence? What are some of your key tips? Yeah, I would say probably three things come to mind. This isn't just specific for early financial independence, but just learning about money in general. Number one, a young person who wants to really explore this space and potentially achieve early financial freedom. Number one, they have to have this inner drive to just learn and digest more and more information. Um, and that can look a lot of different ways. 
different teenagers learn better in different ways. So maybe you prefer listening to podcasts or reading books or reading blog posts or watching YouTube videos. There's so many free or very low cost, you know, a book might be 15 bucks. That's, that's pretty doable for most teenagers. So um, just digesting information in this space uh, on a consistent basis and, and just furthering your education. Cause there's a lot to learn. Um, and sometimes it can be overwhelming, but it's just, you know, you take it one day at a time and you learn a little bit every day. Um, and after a year or two, you're, you're really well-versed and you're becoming financially literate um, and your future's looking brighter and brighter. So that would be number one is just to continue learning. Number two would be as a young person, start getting into the habit now of saving and then eventually investing because in our society, in, in, a, in our American society, we are all taught through different marketing messages. And by the way, I teach marketing and I'm a marketing guy. So I'm not knock, knocking the marketing profession. They're just trying to make money and, and do their job. But in the marketing messages we see everywhere, we Americans are taught or we're, we're at least told to believe that we should spend everything we make. You know, if someone makes $50,000 a year, then they should spend $50,000 a year. You deserve to spend that money you make. If you make $100,000 a year, you should spend $100,000. If you make a million dollars a year, you should spend a million dollars a year. And there isn't an emphasis on saving. There's, there's just an emphasis on spending and having that immediate gratification of all these different things that we want to buy. So as a young person getting into the habit now of saving at least 30%, maybe as much as 50 or 60% of the income you have. And right now you maybe don't have a lot of income. Maybe it's a part-time job. Maybe it's just an allowance, but saying, you know, if I, if a hundred dollars comes my way, I'm $30 or more is going to be put into a savings account, which will then eventually be invested. That is a habit that can change everything. And in the, in the financial independence world, that's called pay yourself first. And I think it's probably the most important concept for anybody, not just young people to learn and employ is to pay yourself first. That changes everything. And then the third thing would be to start actively building up, you know, things like a credit score and opening a checking account, a savings account. If you're under 18, you can do that with your parents and, you know, learning to manage those types of financial resources now rather than later. A lot of people don't have a credit card until they're in their 20s because they've been told that their credit cards are bad, they're dangerous, it's gonna get you into trouble. And they can, but they're, they're setting themselves behind the eight ball if they don't start utilizing tools. A credit card is an amazing tool. Um, and I would I, I tell young people I work with, if you can get a, get a credit card when you're 15, 16 years old, which the only way you can do that is to become an authorized user on a parent's credit card, but that's 100% doable and legal. And it's a great way to start building your credit and your skills when you're young. And, and you should do that rather than when you're 25. And now you've lost all those years of building a solid credit history and credit score. I'm curious on that topic about credit as if you're a minor as an authorized user on your parents' credit card and you're managing your finances and spending, you know, in a, in a proper way, does that build to their credit history or your credit history? I'm curious. Yeah, great question. Most of the time it will build both. So if you're an authorized user on your parents' credit card, by the way, though, there's a caveat here, right? If your parents are not good with money and they, and they maybe sometimes miss a credit card payment, then this is not a good option, right? 
only do this if your parents can handle their finances responsibly because you're basically feeding off of their um, habits. But if your parents are good and they pay their credit cards every month on time, yeah, most credit cards are going to allow your credit score as a minor to start building up a credit history. And so your credit score will start building, Um, but it's not a guarantee. So it's not a bad idea. When your parent calls the credit card company to add you, the teenager, as as an authorized user, have your parent ask that representative at Chase Sapphire or Capital One or whatever, and just say, hey, if I add my 17, 16-year-old son to this account as an authorized user, do you, Capital One, report to their credit history and thus build their credit score? And most of the time, the answer is going to be yes. But if the answer is no, then tell your parent to, to add you as an authorized user to a different card, because that's the whole point. If it's not building your credit history, then you know it's not it's not doing you any favors. And I can completely relate to the the pay yourself first concept that you're talking about earlier. Because one of the things I'm most grateful that my parents did for me was they um, gave me some chores to do, and they paid me a small weekly amount to do those chores. Uh, but they but they told me to pay myself first. They told me to. Um, set aside as a specific amount of money every week and to save it or invest it, it didn't matter, uh, which um, that got me interested in personal finances. And I started researching investments, and all those things. And I looked, and even though at the time it was a really small sum, I was making like $5 a week or something uh, at the age of 12, or I can't remember all the details. Um, and even though that sounds really small, um, fast forward, and I had those habits as I started getting bigger amounts of money. And then that little sum of money, as it was invested grew to something you know even bigger and that was just super cool to watch um happen over the years and i'm just like super grateful that they did that um piggybacking off of that and my grateful gratefulness for what they did for me um i remember you mentioning that when you went into kind of college or graduated high school you're you know quote unquote thrown to the world with to expect it just to fight for yourself and survive. You weren't really equipped with the financial literacy that you needed. Were there any financial mistakes or things you didn't do around the high school, college age that you wish you you would have and that you would tell yourself to do if you could, um, if you could go back in time? Yeah, I made a ton of mistakes because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. No one taught me anything. Um, so just, just to name a few, uh, the biggest mistake I made by far was I racked up a ton of student loan debt. Um, I chose to go to a college that uh, was pretty expensive. Um, and my number two choice was a public university in state. Would have been a much, much more affordable uh, option. And I probably would have got just as good as an ed- of an education, maybe better. But I went to a small private school, which was really expensive. Um, my parents did not have the ability to help pay for college. So I, I uh, financed my entire way through college with some scholarships and grants. That was helpful, but a lot of student loans. Um, and then I racked up more student loans when I got my teaching certificate. And I racked up more student loans when I got my master's degree. Um, add all that up, I was financially crippled for many years, decades with financial loan, I'm sorry, student loan payments. Um, that was the biggest mistake. But then I also, um, when I was young and then into my adult life, 
I would buy a new car every few years. Um, it's a huge mistake. If, if you're young out there, don't ever, 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 ever buy a brand new car. That, that it's a horrible idea. Unless, unless you are at a point where you're a multimillionaire, then go for it. But as you're building your wealth, that you're wasting tens of thousands of dollars on a new car. Um, and I did that a few times. I bought new cars a few times and financed them. If you are going to buy a new car, which you should never, ever, ever, ever do, by all, at, at least buy it with cash that you've saved up so you don't have the auto loan. Um, but even then, you're, you're losing so much money on depreciation in those first two or three years that it's, it's a horrible financial decision. Um, used cars are very dependable. They've already depreciated and they're uh, much more affordable. Um, and they're still gonna get you from A to B. So those are probably the two, you know, two main mistakes I made, the student loans and buying new cars. The third one would be with just the missed opportunity of saving and investing starting at an early age. I didn't, I didn't start saving um, actively for, you know, quote unquote retirement until I got my first real job, which was at 29 when I became a teacher. Um, so 10 years after, you know, more than 10 years later than what you guys are doing right now. For sure. Dan, tell us about these books you have coming out in the next few months. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so the first book that they're both coming out at the same time, which is November, 2021. Um, and they'll be published by a company called bigger pockets, which I'm really grateful that they uh, agreed to, to publish my books. The first one is called first to a million um, and the subtitle is A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Freedom. So it is exactly in line with what you guys are doing with your podcast and your website. And your listeners are going to probably um, relate to this, uh, what's in the book quite a bit. But it's basically a book I wrote that introduces a teenager to all the different concepts of early financial um, freedom. There is some basic personal finance concepts in there, like credit cards, for example, that are important. You just have to know how to do that in order to go to that next level. Um, but most of the book is about the early financial freedom. There's some stuff in there about mindsets and, and planning as well. Um, so that's book number one. Then the second book is, it feeds off of book number of, of the first book, first to a million. The second book is a planner slash workbook. So once, once you've read the first book, you can now look at this planner and it walks you through exactly what to do, when to do, and how to do it as you go from teenager into your 20s um, in four-month increments. So every four months, it gives you a, a task list, uh, and it, then it explains what that task is, how you should do it, when you should do it. And so every four months, you have a new set of a new to-do list, basically. And if you follow that over about five years, you will be in a really, really good position to achieve early financial independence um, very early in life, probably in your mid to late 20s, if not even earlier. Wow, that's awesome. I'm super excited to read those. I'm definitely going to be buying them. Um, Dan, can you tell us about where people can contact you, get to know more about you? Definitely. The best place to find more information about Sheik's Freaks is on the website, which is just www.sheiksfreaks.com. Um, if they want to connect with me, uh, sheiksfreaks at gmail.com or on, we, you know, we have Instagram, 
we also have TikTok and YouTube, so they can email me. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, but the website's probably the best place to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. I think you provided some, some really valuable content to our audience. So thank you very much. You're welcome guys. And thank you, Jacob and Terry for having me on, uh, had a, had a great experience, loved it. And you guys just keep on doing what you're doing, man. You're crushing it. You're helping a lot of people. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it. 